0: Matthew chapter 18 and verse 35, Uh, we'll read this verse in unison, the Word of God says, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. All right, and then turn over to John chapter 3 and verse 36. John 3:36 we'll also read this verse in unison the word of god says he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son shall not see life but the wrath of god abideth on him and let's pray lord we're grateful for the scriptures without it we would be so ignorant of you and And what you expect of us, who you are, what you want, what makes you happy, what makes you sad, the opportunity for salvation. So Lord, we're grateful for the scriptures and today we look to it on this most important subject. And I pray that you'd give me the words to say, give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that's not saved, that today would be the moment that their sins would be forgiven. And they would know for sure they're going to heaven through faith in Christ. Lord, for those who are saved, uh, I pray that this concept would take root in our hearts, take hold, and we would practice it uh, daily uh, as we show the world the love of Christ. And so please, do your work in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Today I want to discuss an interesting topic, but one that is uh, critical. Uh, To the Christian experience. I want to preach on this this message forgiveness or hell. Think about that. Forgiveness or hell. Forgiveness is a concept that is fundamental to the Christian faith. By it, we experience salvation, Uh, by it, we should live our lives. But it's not just a theological concept forgiveness, it is critical for Christian practice. Christians should be forgiving people. And here's the concept for today, we must be forgiven by God, Uh and we must forgive others. And so God gives us a choice, forgiveness or hell. There is only one alternative to forgiveness, and that's hell. And I'll tell you today, and we'll look at the Scriptures, you will either accept God's forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ, or you'll spend an eternity in hell apart from Him. But I also want you to recognize that in our earthly experience with one another, we either learn to forgive others, or we experience our own personal hell here on earth in our hearts and our minds, as we are tormented by the wrongs of others against us. And so we have a choice, forgiveness or hell. What is forgiveness? It's important that we get the word right. What is forgiveness? And, of course, my favorite dictionary, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, says forgiveness is the act of forgiving, the pardon of an offender by which he is considered and treated As not guilty. The forgiveness of enemies is a Christian duty. That's in the dictionary. (laughs) Webster's 1828 dictionary. And then we see, okay, well, what we know what forgiveness is, it's the act of forgiving, so what does it mean to forgive? And the verb to forgive means to pardon Uh, as an offense or a debt, to overlook an offense, and to treat the offender as not guilty. Uh, the original word in the in the Bible speaks of letting go or sending it away. There's a beautiful illustration in the Old Testament where they had a, a type of offering and they had a scapegoat and they would bring two goats and they would uh, put their hands on the, the heads of the goats and confess their sins. One goat had to die for the sin. The other goat was set free. And so we see this idea of a forgiveness played out over and over and over and over in the Scriptures. It's the very foundation of our Christian experience, forgiveness. God forgives, and aren't you glad He does? The Bible says if the Lord should mark iniquities, who would stand? I mean, if God would hold us accountable for the sins we've committed against Him, who could, who could stand before Him? Who can say to themselves, I've cleansed myself of my own sin, Proverbs talks about? I know even a child is known by his doings and by his works. Uh, our very life on this planet, living with ourselves and experiencing life with others, we know that this world is a sin-cursed world filled with sinners. And our only hope to being made right with God is to receive forgiveness. Amen, amen. So forgiveness is a pardon. It's to let go of the offense it's to send the offense away it's to treat someone as if they have never offended but this must be done the right way and we must understand the Christian concept or we get into this quasi spiritual type of forgiveness that doesn't last builds resentment and eventually causes more trouble than it fixes we need to understand God's forgiveness so we understand how to forgive one another Let's think about what forgiveness is not. All right? Forgiveness is not simply overlooking a problem. It's important we understand that. When when God deals with our sin, it's not that God pretends like we never sinned. No, sin must be dealt with. The violation, the transgression must be dealt with. So pretending like the offense didn't happen is not the answer. This is what happens in a lot of families. You know, and uh, do a lot of marriage counseling. We had a marriage yesterday. I've been married for, for 19 years. And so in a marriage, it's interesting, people usually come from one of two types of families. One type of family, anytime there's a problem, they just sweep it under the rug. They never really deal with it. They sweep it under the rug. They pretend like it didn't happen. But then you spend years tripping over the same problems because the the, the stuff under the rug gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, it's never dealt with. Then there's other families where it's like, I mean, they deal with everything. It's like a, a look comes, they don't understand. Hey, what was that look? No, I need to know, what do you mean by that? I mean, it's like every little thing they, they have to deal with. And, of course, I came from a family where we just swept it under the rug, amen? I mean, we were good sweepers. You just lifted up the rug and put it under there and put the rug down. And what, what are you talking about? You know, and the problem is you can yell and scream and fight and yell, and then two days later you're pretending like it didn't happen. But then what do you do two weeks from now? You're fighting and yelling and screaming and all that kind of stuff again. It never goes away. My wife came from a family where they would they would talk and communicate and deal with their problems. And so I remember we weren't married for too long, and, and my wife's like, okay, we got a we got a disagreement here. We've we've got some we need to talk about this. I'm like, what? We don't need to talk about it. That's not how we handle these things. We just pretend like it didn't happen. And so uh, of course, with the scriptures and with good training and, and us helping one another out, uh, she was able to help me that, no, we, we work through things. And, of course, the scriptures, right, we work through things. And so I encourage you in dealing with people, pretending like offenses didn't happen is not the answer. You know, people say, well, I just, I just want to forget about it. No, I'm going to encourage you not to forget about it, but to go right to the problem and deal with it thoroughly. We have to do this sometimes in counseling, whether it's marriage counseling or counseling of adults as people that have been traumatized when they're younger or whatever. And I call it cleaning out the wound where I remember one time I I got the idea as a a grade schooler that we were going to run down the slide. So we picked the the tallest slide on the playground and we began running down it, climbing to the top and on our feet running down it. Well, that might work good for the athletic boys, but I was a little chunky, a little rotund. And uh, so I got about two steps down and went head first down into the gravel, and I've actually got a scar right here above my, my eyebrow. And uh, I had to go, you know, they had to send me to the nurse, and they had to take me to the doctor. And we get to the doctor, and he, he does something weird. He opens the wound, he spreads it out, and starts scraping it out. And I'm on the table like, ah, <laughs> you know, and what's going on? And they'd actually put a couple shots next to it, but I could still feel it. And my mom's there, and I'm like, what's he doing? This is insane. The, the doctor explains, I have to clean this out because if I just close it up with all the dirt in there, it's going to get infected. Right? And this is the way a lot of people do. They get wounded. They get a lot of dirt and grime and grit, and then they just close it up and pretend like it didn't happen, and then it gets infected. And so sometimes when we're dealing with with things, we have to go to the root of the problem deal with it thoroughly God's way, exercise biblical forgiveness, and then we can begin to heal versus just pretending. So forgiveness is not overlooking a problem. That's not how God deals with us. All right, next, forgiveness is not agreeing the violation was acceptable or it's okay. I've had people tell me before, well, I can't forgive because if I forgive them, I feel like I'm saying what they did to me was okay. And I explained to them, that's not what forgiveness means. When you forgive people, you're not saying that's okay. And it's like with our children in in, in our home and and with others. If someone apologizes to me, I never say that's okay. Mm. Because what they did was not okay. Right? right. Right? Uh Uh, and, And so sometimes people... They're hesitant to forgive because they feel like in forgiving, I'm saying that I'm giving you permission to hurt me again. Or I'm telling you what you did to me was okay. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, on the contrary, requires a violation. If there's no violation, there's no need for forgiveness. Right. And so forgiveness is saying, no, this was wrong. It was a sin. It was a violation. But we're going to forgive anyway. And then I say next, forgiveness is not saying the sin didn't hurt. Because sin does hurt. You can't look at the cross and Jesus isn't saying, hey, it's okay. Never mind. It doesn't hurt. No, what you see is the very depth of the hurt and awfulness of sin when you look at the cross. And when you look at the, a place called hell, you see how awful sin is. And so we must understand what forgiveness is so we can exercise it properly. All right, let me, let me say two things. I'm going to give you several verses under each one. I'm just going to say two things, and then we'll go eat some dessert because you know I always preach shorter when there's food waiting on me. Come on. I'll tell you what, next, next Sunday, I'm just telling you right now, if there was a barbecue brisket waiting over there, I think I could preach in like five minutes. I'm just throwing that out there. I wouldn't I wouldn't shortchange you any scripture. You know, we'd get you the scripture. It'd be a life changer, I promise you. But (laughs) yeah. Some of you are like, how much is a brisket? Where do you get one of those things? All right, let me say two things and we'll go to the house. Number one, spiritually, forgiveness must be received or suffer eternal punishment. Spiritually, forgiveness must be received or we suffer eternal hell. So forgiveness or hell. So we're talking spiritually, right? Right. Spiritually, God gives us a choice. You either receive the forgiveness I'm offering, Uh or you go to this place called hell. Now look at John chapter 3 and verse 36 was the the text that we read. I'm going to show you a lot of scriptures here. Some I might just uh, recite for you. Others we'll look at. Uh, John chapter 3, look at this verse. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. So everlasting life, talking about going to heaven. We understand that believing in the gospel is how we receive forgiveness of sin. Amen? So he that believeth on the Son, you receive forgiveness, and you'll have eternal life. But look at the, the um, next part of the verse. And he that believeth not the Son Shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So God gives us a choice. You accept Christ and receive forgiveness, or you reject my forgiveness and you pay for your sin yourself with the wrath of God abiding on you. And we know that as a place called hell. Look at John chapter 3 and verse 18, same concept. John chapter 3 and verse 18, he that believeth on him, that's Christ, is not condemned. Now the word condemned means reserved for destruction. So let me tell you, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're not born again, there's never been a time in your life you've put your faith in Jesus, you are reserved for destruction. That means you are one heartbeat away from an eternity without Christ in hell. It's a terrible, terrible way to live. Terrible way. Why in the world would you reject God's forgiveness? I mean, if I came to you today and offered you $100,000 free of charge, you'd grab it in a heartbeat. But for some reason, God comes to the world and He paid His all. He gave His all to, to give them eternal life. And they scoff and they laugh and they mock. It's insanity. But God gives a choice. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. So once you accept forgiveness through faith in Christ, that label of condemnation is removed. You're no longer condemned, but now you're a child. Wonderful miracle of God's grace and love. Look what it says. But, in contrast, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Why? because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You say, well, preacher, I've never done anything bad enough to deserve hell. No, the Bible says you're condemned already. What is a sin so bad that condemns someone to hell? It's the rejection of Christ. Our sin as a whole, our sin nature as a whole, our, our individual actions as sin earn us hell. We build up our sin debt. But when God decides whether or not to send someone to heaven or hell, he's not looking at the amount of their sin. He's looking at, did they accept his forgiveness? And so you either accepted my forgiveness and you go to heaven or you reject my forgiveness and you go to hell. I love that about God that, you know, it doesn't matter where you've come from, doesn't matter what you've done. You could be here this morning and grow up in a Christian home. You've never smoked. You've never drunk. You've never cursed that your parents know about. Uh, You've never done all of these things. But I'll tell you what, if you die without Christ, you'll go to the same hell. But you can be here and you could have been a drug dealer and a a, a drug user and you could have have done all kinds of wickedness and you say, Pastor, you don't even know what my life's been. I'm ashamed to tell you. I hope nobody ever finds out the skeletons in my closet. But if you get saved, you go to the same heaven. And God will save anybody. Amen. And so praise the Lord for that. Spiritually, forgiveness must be received or we suffer eternal hell. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 25. John five twenty-five. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So here we see Jesus again telling us the the glorious gospel. We we believe in God and we believe in His Christ and we accept the salvation, the, the forgiveness He offers. And then we don't go into condemnation, but we're passed from death to life. We are spiritually dead without Christ, but as we trust Christ, we're born again, we're resurrected in our spirit, we become the children of God who live forever with Him. Amen. The condemnation and the wrath in these verses speak of a place called hell. It's a place of torment where sinners are eternally separated from all that is good and holy. Suffering for their sin. You say, preacher, a loving God wouldn't send people to hell, would He? He would. But let me tell you what a loving God does a loving God will give you an opportunity not to go there. A loving God did everything necessary and possible to give us an opportunity to go to heaven. But also a loving God says, if you reject my love, if you trample under your feet the blood of my son, Hebrews says, then my wrath will abide on you. You will pay every ounce that you owe me. God's justice, His holiness requires that sin must be punished. But in the ultimate act of love, He took that punishment upon Himself so we wouldn't have to pay it. Listen to this verse, Revelation 21.8, But the fearful... And the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Speaking of hell, Luke sixteen twenty two and 23 gives the difference between a, a beggar who was a believer died and he went to Paradise, and a a rich man who, who was an unbeliever died and he went to a place of torment. Luke 16, verses 22 and 23 says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. But listen, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. You say... We must understand that Jesus preached more about hell than he did about heaven. Why would he do that? Because it's a stern warning. He said, listen, I'm going to give my all so you don't have to go to this terrible place. But you need to understand that I'm going to such lengths because this, this punishment is so awful. It's so terrible. It's beyond your comprehension. Don't go to hell, Jesus said over and over and over, warning people. Look at Mark chapter 9, astounding verses that the Lord, the Lord gave us. Mark chapter 9. And I'll just tell you, a lot of churches, you, you can go there and they won't talk about hell. But let me tell you, we can't just take hell out of the Bible. This isn't my book. I can't, I can't take things out. This isn't my gospel. I can't change it into what I want it to be. You say, well, hell's not palatable. I wouldn't be doing anybody favors as a preacher to lie to them and tell them good things and then they die without Christ and they open their eyes in hell. I would be a uh, AWOL. I'd be absent without leave. I would, it would be a betrayal against my calling and against God and against the sacrifice of Christ. So while many churches won't touch a doctrine like this with a 10-foot pole, and those that will usually won't do it on a Sunday morning. Uh-huh. Right. You say, Why do you do it, preacher? Because I'm crazy. That's why. I'm crazy. No, you know why I do it? Because I'm a preacher of God's word. And I asked God this week what we ought to talk about, and this is what he gave me. He's the boss, right? He is the boss. Mark chapter 9, let's look at it. Mark chapter 9, look at verse 43. Jesus warning people against hell, Mark chapter 9, verse 43. Look at it. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. No way, that's radical. This is the Son of God giving radical advice. Hey, if your hand offends you, go cut it off. Why? What could, what could uh, need such a, a radical answer? And he says, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Why? For it is better for thee to enter into this life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Now I want you to look at me. When the Lord's talking about all these offenses, he's, he's talking about these body parts or these things in your life keeping you from getting saved. And Jesus said, if there's something you're doing with your hands that's going to keep you from getting saved, it's better for you to cut off your hands and go to heaven than keep your hands and enjoy whatever you think you're enjoying and go to hell two-handed. Verse 44, Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Verse 45, And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. For it is better for thee to enter a halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out, for it is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and their fire is not quenched. What's Jesus saying? He's saying hell is so terrible, don't let anything take you to hell. Don't let anyone take you to hell. If there is something in your life That's keeping you from getting saved, get it out of your life and go to heaven rather than keep it in your life and go to hell. It's better to suffer in this life and go to heaven than to live like a king in this life and go to hell where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. But see, you can't understand why God went to such lengths to save us unless you understand what he's saving us from. That's why God made a way of forgiveness. And the name of Jesus is synonymous with forgiveness. The preaching of Jesus Christ is the preaching of forgiveness. Acts chapter 13 verse 38 says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. God said, I've made a way to let your sins go. I've made a way to pardon you. I've made a way to separate your sins from you as far as the east is from the west and to separate them from you and bury them in the deepest sea. I've made a way for you to stop being the sinner that that is condemned in one one heartbeat from hell. And I'm going to make you my child where you'll be seated with me in the heavenlies, called by my name, with all the rights and privileges of a child of God. But forgiveness is through Jesus Christ. Yes. Acts 26:18 says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Hey, that's good news. You can have forgiveness today. But wait a minute. It's forgiveness or hell? Choose forgiveness. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Choose forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Choose forgiveness. 1 John 2.12 says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. For His namesake. The gospel is so magnificent and lofty that it boggles the mind to understand why. But it's so simple that a child can understand how. We're all sinners. We deserve hell. Sin must be punished. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We deserve hell, but God offers forgiveness and redemption. When we understand that Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God, died on the cross to pay for our sin, He was buried and three days later rose again from the dead to prove that He could save us and to prove who He was. The Bible says that if you believe that in your heart, Thou shalt be saved. Amen. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I ask you this morning, has there been a time in your life when you've believed in Jesus? Has there been a time when you've said, Listen, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm, maybe I'm not a murderer, maybe I'm not a serial killer, but man standing comparing myself to a holy God, I fall way short I can't go to heaven without forgiveness. Has there been a time in your life when you've accepted Christ as your Savior and asked Him to forgive you, claiming the salvation that's so freely offered? If you haven't, I pray today would be the day. It's a good day to get saved. But if that is you, you say, Preacher, I'm saved. I'm born again. Man, I I know... If I died, I'd go to heaven, not because I'm a good person, not because I go to church, but because I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. and He died on the cross to pay for my sins, was buried and rose again. I'm trusting Him to take me to heaven. The Bible says we can have confidence in our salvation. Amen? The Bible says we can know for sure we're going to heaven, 1 John 5.13. But wait a minute. If you have received God's forgiveness then now you're expected to practice God's forgiveness. And see, while we love that first part, there's a part of us that rebels against the second. I love God's forgiveness, but I don't necessarily like giving it to others. But we are expected to. We said, number one, in this simple message Number one, spiritually, forgiveness must be received or we suffer eternal hell. And then we say, number two, relationally, forgiveness must be given or we suffer personal hell. Think about that. We must give forgiveness or we're condemning ourselves to a kind of personal hell in our hearts and our minds. Let me show you what the Scripture says. Look at Luke chapter 17. We could be just as excited about giving forgiveness as we are about receiving it. If we understand it and we're willing to practice it. Look at Luke chapter 17. And verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, what are the next two words? Forgive Forgive him. Verse 4, And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt, next two words, forgive forgive him. Look what the apostles said in verse 5. And the apostles said unto him, Lord, Lord, Increase our faith. See, forgiveness is a matter of faith. We are required to forgive. God expects us to forgive. There are penalties if we don't forgive. But it's always a matter of faith. I want you to look at me very carefully. Forgiveness is not a matter of what they did to you. Well, they did a little thing, so I'll forgive them, but they did a big thing, so I won't forgive them. It's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness has nothing to do with what they did. It has everything to do with the forgiver. You say, you say prove it. Look at the cross. God will take you to heaven no matter what sins you've committed. Because... The the power of forgiveness is found in forgiveness itself and the person willing to forgive, not in the size of the offense. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and look at verse 21. And here's Peter. I love the humanity of Peter. He was always putting his foot in his mouth, but he also came up with some pretty good stuff sometimes that the Lord gave him. But here's Peter. Jesus is talking to them about forgiveness. Matter of fact, in verse 15, he talks about how to handle trespasses. The Lord's teaching them how to handle trespasses. And then in verse 21, Jesus has moved on and he's talking about other things, but I think Peter's mind is still stuck back on this forgiveness thing. How are we going to handle trespasses? So look at verse 21. Then came Peter to him, to Christ, and said, Lord, how oft or often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So Peter's like down to the details. He's like, okay, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this forgiveness thing. I understand you want me to forgive, but how many times do I have to forgive someone? I mean, this can't be like infinite forgiveness. I mean, we have to have some type of limits. So how many times? And I think Peter is like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to try this forgiveness thing. But man, if you tell me twice, then I'll do it twice. If you tell me five times, I'll do it five times. But see, Peter kind of liked that old an eye for an eye stuff. He liked that old, you punch me, I punch you. Which a, a lot of people are a fan of nowadays. And he said, how many times shall I forgive? And then Peter just grabs a wild number, like a crazy number, even seven times. Now to Peter, forgiving someone seven times was crazy and Jesus just blows his mind in verse 22 Jesus saith unto him I say not unto thee until seven times but until seventy times seven and if the Bible had emojis you'd see one of those little emojis with like the brains blowing up out of it because Peter's just like what in the world how am I supposed to forgive like that I can imagine Jesus saying, Peter, hang around. In the next little while, I'm going to show you what forgiveness looks like when I'm hanging on the cross. And see, when we forgive, when Christians forgive, we have to forgive as defined by God. And we forgive the same way God forgives us. I want you to understand this. Why should we forgive? Because this is a big deal for people. And listen, as Christians, forgiveness is tough. As humans, forgiveness is tough. And if, if we don't understand what forgiveness is and how to give it, then we give ourselves permission to not forgive. But then we hurt us and those around us. So it's important we understand we don't forgive because the offender deserves it. I often have people tell me, I'll say, you need to forgive. And they'll say, well, they don't deserve forgiveness. Well, yeah. That's what forgiveness is. If they earned it, it wouldn't be forgiveness. It would be atonement. Forgiveness is letting go of a violation. Seeing it as paid for when they didn't pay for it. So we don't forgive because the offender deserves it. We don't forgive because they atoned for it. We don't forgive because they've made up for it. Because they did this bad to me, and now I'm waiting for them to do enough good to make up for the bad they did. Then I will forgive you. That's not forgiveness. Now, I think that if we hurt somebody, we ought to try to atone for it. We ought to try to make it right. That's on our end. But we don't forgive people again because they deserve it or they've earned it. It's also important to understand that you don't forgive people out of the goodness of your own heart. Because what happens is you'll be able to do that for the small transgressions. But the big ones, you're going to find out very quickly, forgiveness isn't about the goodness of your heart. Because it's awful hard to forgive when your heart's been broken. Your life shattered. You're trying to wrap your brain around what life even looks like now, what, how to process what was just told you, You're all of these things. You're going to find out very quickly, forgiveness, it has nothing to do with the goodness of you. It has everything to do with the goodness of our God. Let me show you an amazing verse here. Colossians chapter 3. We doing okay? Some of you wish I'd stayed on that point one there a little longer. We love the forgiveness of God, but we've got to learn how to forgive each other. See, when we don't forgive, it causes a poison in us. It's like that infection, the Bible word is bitterness. It's a a poison in us, and bitterness is you drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies. Bitterness is you not letting go of something and it it, it begins to affect you. And the Bible says the root of bitterness will also affect the people around you. Hebrews tells us the root of bitterness is a doorway to sin because when we're bitter, we give ourselves permission to sin against God because of what was done to us. So bitterness is a terrible, terrible thing. But Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 12, speaks of the new way of the Christian. After Christ Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. See, Christians should be merciful. Amen. Kindness. Christians should be kind. Amen. Humbleness of mind. Christians should be humble. Amen. Meekness. Yeah. Christians should be meek. Long-suffering. Christians should be long-suffering. And look at, look at verse 13. Forbearing one another and... Forgiving one another. I want you to look at me. We live in a world full of sinners. You're married to a sinner. Your kids are sinners. Your parents are sinners. Your aunts and uncles, grandmas, grandpas, your boss, your co-workers, your neighbors. We live in a world of offenses. And I love what the Bible says here. Not just forgiving one another, but forbearing one another. What's that mean? You've got to put up with people sometimes. You just got to put up with them. But then you don't just put up with them. We go beyond just putting up with them and building up resentment. We forgive them. And I love the fact that forgiving here is in the present tense. Forgiving. Forgiveness is not something you do one time and then it's over. You're going to be in the process of forgiving. If you're married to someone and you're going to stay married, you're going to be forgiving your whole marriage. Unless at some point they become perfect. Which ain't gonna happen, right? Matter of fact, they get worse as they get. Sometimes, uh, if you've got kids, if you've got parents, you're gonna have to be forgiving. Now, this people say, "Well, if I just if I just become a forgiver, then I become a doormat, and people are just gonna walk all over me, and people are gonna sin against me all the time." You don't understand forgiveness. Forgiveness is not permission to keep sinning. God doesn't forgive us and say, oh, that's okay, never mind. Oh, that's okay, it's no big deal. No, he told the woman caught in adultery, I forgive you, go and sin no more. Amen. So forgiveness is not an opportunity to keep someone hurting you, but forgiveness says, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to release this so I'm not being poisoned from the inside out. Amen. Yeah. But let me tell you something, I tell people this in counseling, if you steal money from me, I'll forgive you but I'm probably not going to let you hold my wallet. Right? Right? So there's a difference between forgiveness and realizing people have character flaws or sins in their lives that they need to deal with or they're going to keep hurting people. That's a different conversation. But forgiveness has to do between me and my God and me and others. All right? And so... uh, Look at the rest of the verse here. Such a beautiful verse. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Wow. Say, so, well, how am I supposed to forgive? Why am I supposed to forgive? Because Christ forgave you. Christ forgave you. Well, they don't deserve forgiveness, neither did you. Why well, I can't I don't know how to forgive them. God forgave you. You can find a way to forgive him. And we won't take time to look at it for a time's sake, but Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 25, we see this illustration of forgiveness that the Lord Jesus gives about a man who owed money and he went to the king. He owned tons and tons of money, and he went to the master, and and he was going to get thrown in jail, but he said, Lord, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. And the master forgave him. He didn't say, okay, I'll put you on a payment plan. He said, I forgive you of your debt. Well, the man who was just forgiven left and went his way and found a man that owed him pennies. And he grabbed him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. And the, the man said the same thing as the forgiven person said to his master, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And the person that was just forgiven said, "No, I will send you to jail until you pay me." And it's an illustration of a man who had been forgiven so much, but he failed to learn the the example of forgiveness, and he held everybody else who owed him so little. He held them to a different standard. When the master heard of it, he was wroth. I mean, he was upset. And he brought him back before and he said, how could I forgive you? And yet you won't forgive people who owe you nothing in comparison. You see, that's how God looks at us. Folks, the the person that has treated me the worst in my life has done nothing to me in comparison of what I've done to God. It's not even worthy to be compared and yet, how can I go to people in my life demanding payment, demanding they suffer, demanding? And God says, I gave you forgiveness and mercy and grace. You should be in hell right now. But my son took his, your sin upon him and I forgive you. How can you go through life holding the people in your life to a different standard than I hold you? That's pretty powerful stuff. And the Bible says, very interesting interestingly, in verse 34, see, he tells the man who had been forgiven but didn't forgive, now he said, by the way, everything you owe now is due. And he said, I'm going to send you to the tormentors until you pay. You're going to be tortured until you pay. Then that's where we get verse 35 that we read in our text verse. After all of that illustration, here's the illustration. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother, their trespasses. Now, it's very important you understand this when you understand Bible doctrine. He's not talking about I'll save you. And then if you don't forgive other people, I'll send you to hell. The Bible says very clearly, and we, we won't take time to go through this. The Bible says that there is an assurance to the believer who believed in Jesus. What the Bible is saying is that there will be a personal hell. There will be a personal torment. Just like he sent that person to the tormentors when he didn't forgive. When you and I come up against someone and someone violates us, trespasses us against us, hurts us, and we refuse to forgive. The Bible says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do to you. What Jesus is saying is He's saying, I'm going to let you be tormented until you forgive. You will be tormented by the offense. You'll be tormented by their name. You'll be tormented at the sight of them, at the thought of them. Your mind and your heart will be consumed with the violation until you learn to forgive. And once you forgive, you can have that peace that passes all understanding. And see, we're talking about spiritually, you receive God's forgiveness or you go to hell for eternity. Relationally, we give forgiveness. Or we experience our own personal hell. Interesting, isn't it? You say, how do we forgive even as Christ also forgave us? Let me show you a verse here. It's really powerful. Ephesians chapter 4. We doing okay? This will be life-changing for somebody. And for others who are just being reminded of it, it's a beautiful day when you can... Let go of some things that have haunted you. Ephesians 4:32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Well, how am I supposed to forgive people? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we forgive people the same way God forgave us, and that's for Christ's sake. You know why it's so hard to forgive people that hurt us? Because we've been hurt. It hurts. It's easy to receive forgiveness because we didn't feel the pain of paying for it. Christ did that. But when we've been personally hurt and we feel that pain, maybe for the rest of our lives, Now we have trouble forgiving because we are experiencing the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. We are suffering in some small measure like he suffered. As he hung on the cross, broken and bleeding. Uh And he said, Father, forgive them. We must sometimes stand in pools of our own emotional blood beaten to a pulp in our heart broken, perhaps never feeling like we might feel like it will never be the same. But we must, for Christ's sake, say, Father, forgive them. Mm -hmm. This is what helps me. When someone hurts me, I realize that Jesus didn't just pay for my sin, he paid for theirs. Think about that. The person who you've got ought against, the person you've got offense against, that thing that you just can't get over, Jesus died on the cross for their sin too. And the interesting thing is that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was sufficient for God the Father to forgive that person for what He did to me. It must be. The same sacrifice must be sufficient for me to forgive them. And here's some hard questions. You say, Well, I won't forgive. I won't, I will not forgive them for what they did to me. I want them to suffer. They've not paid for it yet. My friend, if they're not saved, they will pay for it more than you could ever imagine. If they're not saved, and one of these days, if you see them in hell, you'll cry out to God, it's enough. God, it's enough. What they did to me, it's enough. And, and a holy God will say, it will never be enough. They will pay for that sin. I've had people in my office weeping and crying for terrible violations, and they just couldn't let it go because that person was already gone and dead. And they said, they'll never pay for it. Nobody will ever know what they did for me. They'll never be judged in a court. They'll never go to jail. And I said, were they born again? They said, no. I said, I said, I I called their name and I said, if you could see them right now, you would cry out to God. Please stop. It's enough. And God says it'll never be enough. See, it's not up to us to make sure people pay for what they do to us. We're not the judge and jury. God is. But if they're saved and they've done things for you and maybe you say, yeah, they hurt me so bad. and I'm just supposed to forgive them. I'm just supposed to forgive them when they didn't pay for it? Then you look at the cross and you see Jesus paid for it. And Lord Jesus, your payment for their sin against me is enough. We must consider, are we more holy than Jehovah? Are my standards of sin and redemption higher than the Almighty's? If God is willing to forgive them, Because of the sacrifice of Christ, who am I to not forgive? What I'm talking to you about today is high level Christianity. This isn't the milk of the word. This is meat. This is if you want to be like Jesus. But not only do we forgive in word. We must forgive. Indeed. See we're to give freely. We forgive freely. We're to forgive fully. We're to forgive liberally. Why? Because that's how God forgives us. Freely. There's no merit on our part. We didn't deserve it. But we confessed our wrong. Fully. God has forgiven us of every offense, and liberally He has forgiven us innumerable times. So when we forgive others, we must do it freely, fully, and liberally. One man said, Albert Barnes said, the forgiveness is to be entire, cordial, and constant. We are not to rake up old offenses and charge them again upon them we are to treat them as though they had not offended, for so God treats us. You say, preacher, that's that's hard. It's godly. It's Christ-like. It's Christian. You say, I don't know that if I want to forgive. I don't, I don't know if I can forgive. Let me remind you: the only alternative to forgiveness is hell. You say, I'm born again. I'm not going to hell. No, but you're in it right now because you won't forgive this personal hell. The, the, the fears, the frustrations, the anxieties, so many of these disorders are attached to a trauma that has never been fully dealt with. And it's wreaking havoc in our hearts and minds. We just can't get over it. We can't get past it. We can't get our ground on even footing. We can't find solid ground because we're being Tormented. Not only by what they did for us, to us, but by our own unforgiveness. Let me show you the last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're a little bit long today, but I hope hope this is really helping somebody. Again, this is life-changing if you receive it. You say, preach, I don't need that today. You will. You will. You young people, listen to me. You will. You're going to need it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, two powerful verses and we'll be done. And look at verse 10. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Now I want you to look at me, see what he's saying. The letter to 1 Corinthians was talking about they had so much sin, they really needed... Uh, it's all right. just wondered if one of you were out there doing that. I was like, man, I had a nerve there, didn't I? What <laughs> uh, Usually I see grunts and groans and faces, but... Um, and so what this is saying is, the, the church had gotten so harsh with those people that had done wrong, where now in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's telling them, now you need to forgive them and don't keep holding it against them because if they've repented, they want to they get right with God. You have to let them get right with God and receive them and confirm your love to them. But then the Apostle Paul said, I've been offended because of what they did to you. But when you forgive them, I'm going to forgive them. And I believe this is talking about secondary forgiveness. And listen to me. If you're older, if you have children, if you have friends, you know what it's like to watch someone you love get hurt. And then you are so angry with the person that hurt them. They didn't hurt you. They hurt someone you love. And it is possible for you to be so bitter and so angry against that person that it begins to affect your life. And what we need to see is that forgiveness isn't just when people hurt us. Forgiveness is when people hurt the ones we love. It's possible to take up another person's offense. And now we have anger and frustration and sin because of what someone did to a loved one. And the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to forgive them because you forgave them. And sometimes we've got people in our lives and they forgive somebody that's hurt them and we still hold on to it no we need to forgive too and the next verse tells you why look at verse 11 lest Satan should give an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices Satan is so good at his job that he not only takes the offenses the trespasses the sins against us to hurt us and cause us to be bitter he'll take those same things against the people we love and still destroy us But what you need to understand today is unforgiveness is a sin Let's say that together. Unforgiveness is a sin. And it hurts. It poisons. But we need to learn to forgive as God has forgiven us. There's two levels of forgiveness we don't have time to get into. I believe there's a personal forgiveness in my own heart. Maybe someone has hurt me and they don't care. Maybe they're still hurting me. They would hurt me more if they could. I have to deal with that in my own heart so I'm not bitter against them. That's a personal forgiveness in my own heart, but I can't really extend it to them because they don't want it. I've looked at people before and said, I forgive you. And they're like, we don't want your forgiveness. I said, well, you're getting it anyway. And that made him even more angry. But there is a very special type of forgiveness that happens like we read in Luke chapter 17 where it says if someone repent and you forgive That's the most beautiful type of forgiveness at all. Let me just tell you that if you've hurt somebody, go to them and repent. Confess your sin. Acknowledge your wrong. Try to make it right. And if someone has hurt you, extend forgiveness. That's the most beautiful type of forgiveness at all, and that's what God does to us. God says forgiveness is paid for through the cross, but you have to ask for it. And once we confess our sin and accept Christ as our Savior, that forgiveness is applied to our account. Does that make sense? But see, God isn't up in heaven worrying every day about the sinners that haven't forgotten or haven't asked for forgiveness yet. You and I don't have that luxury. We have to learn to deal with the people that don't care about forgiveness, that don't want it. We have to learn to have a... Uh, a special type of forgiveness in our heart that releases my attachment from them. I'm not going to let you control my life. I'm letting that offense go in my own heart for me, for my sake, for my family, for my God. But then you'll always be willing to extend forgiveness as people come and, and repent. Does that make sense to you? This is life-changing stuff if you let it. And so let's pray. Father, I pray that you take the message that we've heard today. Uh, apply it to our lives we desperately need to experience your forgiveness on our own through salvation and we need to extend it to others as we live in this sin cursed world pray that you'd bless the the word and those that heard it and help us to be different because of this and if we didn't need it today may the spirit remind us of this truth when we need it in the future but maybe there's some here today where they need they need to use it today I mean, they've got some stuff going on in their heart that they've just not let go and it's eating them up. Maybe today be the day of, of release. And so, heads are about, eyes are closed. If you're here this morning not sure you're saved, we'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure. If you've got someone that you are holding odd against, you're bitter about, you need to deal with that with the Lord. It's hurting you a lot more than it's hurting them. And then perhaps you know you've offended someone, but you've been proud and not willing to own it, to repent and to make it right. Maybe today would be a good day to just make that right. And if someone comes to you and says, hey, I've I've had this against you or whatever, extend forgiveness. Or they've done something against you, extend forgiveness. Let's be a forgiving people. Let's stand. As the piano plays, the altar's open.